The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we review Austin FC's 4-3 loss to the New York Red Bulls. We'll preview the upcoming Sporting Kansas City match, and then we'll also cover some transfer news. Not, not just rumors, but news and rumors this time. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Yeah, hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I feel like the, the script for this show for the last, I don't know, three weeks has had basically the same opening. Cecilio out, question mark. Rigoni in, question mark. So I'm glad that we're going to get to maybe get into a little, little, at least one of those things is resolved. Yeah, one of them has a period at the end now. (laughs) Finally, finally. Hey, I like your shirt too. Like what? Oh, thank you. We haven't talked about that. I haven't seen that one. This is, yeah, it's one of the the Pride collection that Austin FC did. I went and bought this at the, um, the South Congress Verde store and I had never been in there. I just went down on my lunch break one day because I work on... I work on South Congress and it's on regular Congress, not far from the Capitol there and went in and was looking for it. And one of the, the staff in the store was like, Hey, can I help you with anything? I was like, Oh, I'm just kind of looking around. And he said, are you Landon from Moon Tower Soccer? I was like, yeah, I am. And, uh, what was his name? Uh, Emilio, I believe was his name. Emilio, I hope I got your name right, but it was very nice to meet you. Thanks for saying hi. But, um, I was impressed that he he picked me out from my voice alone, just saying, nope, I'm good. Yeah, that's that's super fun to get to that that happens still uh every once in a while with a new with a new person. I was walking behind uh the guy in the gorilla suit. What's his name? ATX Mate? Yeah. On the on the way to a match. And I just said hi to him and he's like, You're Jeremiah, aren't you? I was like, <laughs> Yes, I am. And you are wearing a gorilla suit when it is hundred and three <laughs> degrees outside. So credit to you and your Instagram account. Yeah, the gorilla and the Care Bears. I don't understand how they keep wearing those things to the games. Well, let's talk about that news. Let's talk about the period part of the two, two bits of news we talked about for the last few weeks. So we know Cecilio Dominguez out. Yes. Yes. So Cecilio Dominguez and Austin FC. Uh, I guess Austin FC announced on Saturday morning, I believe. Was it Saturday or Sunday morning? I think it was Saturday. Saturday. Okay. They announced that um, the club and Cecilia Dominguez have mutually agreed to terminate his contract effective immediately. And so I think maybe this is not an outcome that we had really considered for this whole saga until the uh, Toronto and Salcedo did the same thing just a few weeks ago. Up until that point, I honestly didn't know that you could do this. I mean, it makes sense that you can, but I didn't know that you could and still use the roster spot here. But um, I guess we should get into like what exactly happened between Dominguez and the club as far as like what mechanism are they using here? What does it mean for Austin FC and what does it mean for the player? And so I guess as far as what actually happened is they're – Mutually terminating his contract, meaning they're essentially tearing up the contract. Any money that Austin FC contractually owed Dominguez uh, from this point forward, they do they no longer owe him that money. And then Dominguez, in return, is free to go and play for another team immediately, which it looks like he's going to do. We, we've seen, saw rumors starting last week that he was going to Santos Laguna in Mexico, and then... They have not announced it yet, but there's a picture of him in the airport wearing a hat and holding up a scarf. So I think it's 
pretty much a done deal it's at pre- this point. Pretty pre- reliable at that point. Yeah. This is one of these uh, one sentence, well, it was two sentence press releases too, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, Saturday morning, and they did not want to share a lot of information outside of that. So I get, well, let's talk about the perspective of the club first. Like, it makes all the sense in the world for the club, I think, because we believe that there's, we've got a, there's a player that Austin FC doesn't want. There's a replacement lined up, and there's a monetary cost to it, but it gives them the flexibility because they can use the DP spot immediately, we think. Or I mean, right. we, we, we trust that they can use the DP spot immediately. Um, so it frees them up to go and make that transaction. I mean, what's the, uh, what, what would the downside be for the club in this kind of move? I think the downside is the, um, the lost potential return on that investment. So they paid, I don't think we ever got a solid number on what they paid. Somewhere between 2.5 and 4 million seems to be what the transfer fee was for Dominguez. Um, they're not going to get any of that money back at this point. So that's just down the drain. Like, I guess the ideal outcome would have been to sell him and get at least some money back. But uh, if that wasn't going to happen, then then they're losing out on that money. But like you said, we can use that roster spot, use that DP spot now. And use that international spot too. I forgot. He was he was like a, the, a, a limiting factor in many Many ways. Like we That's had no right. senior roster spots, no international slots, and no designated player spots with Cecilia Dominguez on the roster, which helps one understand the motivation of the club to make this deal happen. If I'm Cecilia Dominguez, why do I want to make this deal happen? That's my real yeah. question. That's a good question because that is why I didn't think this was going to be the outcome. Is because so with the Salcedo thing in Toronto. He was apparently having uh, some like family issues. He really wanted to go back to Mexico and was looking for any excuse to do so. And so in that case, sure, it makes sense. And also in Carlos Salcedo's, uh, in his situation, I'm guessing he's pretty confident that somebody in Mexico will pay him just as well, if not better, than what he's getting paid in Toronto. In Cecilia Dominguez's situation, I don't, like, I didn't know that that was the case. I'm not sure that Cecilia knew that was the case that someone else is going to pay him as much as what Austin FC is paying him right now. And so if you're Cecilia Dominguez, like maybe you're not so motivated because you can just sit here and do nothing and be, get paid $1.7 million a year. And like, that's not too bad of a gig. I know these guys are athletes, they're competitors, they want to play. And I'm sure he's not uh, the happiest being in the situation he is right now. It's, of his own doing, of course, but um, if he can leave and go play, that's what he's getting in return is the ability to leave, go play. And he's, I would be surprised if he's getting paid as much there. Um, so he is giving up, like taking a, a, at least somewhat of a financial hit in this move, most likely, but he gets to leave this situation and go start new and go play somewhere else. So that's what he's getting out of it. But it's still a thing that I wasn't entirely sure that he would be willing to make the trade for right now. Yeah. And I guess the, the gamble on his side is that he goes somewhere else. He plays well. And maybe the next contract is more or as much as he's making now. Cause I can't imagine, I mean, not playing at all, your, your future financial compensation is only going to go down. So maybe he wants to take right. a shot and, 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 and prove himself. And then maybe he will, get the next big deal in Mexico or back or in South America somewhere. I can't imagine that there's a return to major league soccer in Cecilio Dominguez's future. I would be very surprised. And and then did you watch his uh, like farewell video on Instagram? I did. Yeah. What'd you think about I that? I thought it was interesting. I mean, 
I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Like, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but I mean, well, it it fit it fit with this general sort of tenor on uh on social media over the last couple of weeks, like to just go on as if none of the things that have happened have happened. And you know, it's like, hey, here's me out enjoying the city and like hanging out with my dog on Town Lake, and like here's my emotional farewell video to people who are probably not all that emotional about me being gone. So it seemed to fit with the things that he's done. Yeah. A bit more of like less of like a genuine goodbye to the city. And I'm sure there is like some of that in there, but all of it combined seems more like, like kind of a charm campaign. Very scripted. Either, either like, um, to endear himself to a suiting club or suiting fan base that's coming up. It feels that's it feels a bit more like that to me. It feels like something that came from an agent to me. You know, I feel like this <laughs> well, is very I mean, much he, like a social media like uh crisis management 101 like do these things, you know, whether so you mean or not. did not edit that video. Well, for so sure. Yeah. Somebody did that for him. <laughs> and somebody probably wrote the words for him too, I would bet. Yeah. Well, let's More talk about likely. let's talk about the other part of this deal then. So we think that the Rigoni deal is going to happen. I mean, everybody else is everybody seems pretty confident. We have this uh, what is this a translated article that Kevin Morris uh, posted today about sort of where we are on that situation. Yeah, so it was an article out of Brazil, um, and what it's saying is that Sao Paulo and Austin FC have already made an agreement. The only thing that remains to be finished is uh the agent's fee and what percentage or how much is going to be paid to the agent and so this this article says that sao paulo's done with their part they're like y'all take care of it let us know when you're done and then it also says that um the the last paragraph here says that the players traded for four million u.s dollars the payment will have two identical installments, $2 million to be paid immediately, $2 million to be paid in January of 2023. As far as like cap hit and stuff goes, that part of it doesn't matter. Um, so for anybody who read that and was curious, that $4 million is going to count across the contract exactly the same. You'll essentially amortize the whole thing and it will be evenly distributed across the four years. So it doesn't really matter when you pay. I guess it's more of an accounting thing for Austin FC. Um, like real accounting, not allocation money accounting. <laughs> not, not Garber Bucks accounting money. Yeah. And then um, I think this it always makes me think of our conversations with Sean Rubio when you read things about like the holdup in a deal being the agent's commission. Because this is just, it's very much a soccer thing, right? Like as somebody who grew up, no, no, no NBA or National Football League trade has ever been held up because like a team was working on a specific fee to an agent. So it's just one of these quirks of the deals that you know Sean's talked about like there's so many parties to it and uh you know we're all more deals don't get done than do get done and it's because of things like agents and families and everything else that goes on in a in a deal yeah but the good news is that it seems like it's going to happen one of the quotes is the parties are confident that there will be a positive outcome so uh it all signs have pointed to the fact that it's going to be done and continue to point that way. So all we're waiting for now is the the green smoke on Anthony Precourt's Twitter timeline. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see it very soon because the window does close on August 4th. So we're kind of running into the end of the transfer window at this point. And do we think this is it? Like, is this all of our business in this window? Um, I mean, 
we do we are still more or less one in one out and so you would almost think that the outgoing stuff would have to be done by now too to have anything else incoming so if there is anything else i would be surprised if it were more than like one other thing happening but um which i mean it's not the i think maybe some of us would have preferred one other move coming in but it's also not the worst thing in the world yeah i think I, that that's fair i think given given where we are i mean and, and not wanting to tie like the entire roster down like you just we're gonna have to be a little bit thinner right back basically right in order to to make it through the end of the year in other Austin FC news, we already knew that Sebastian Driussi had been selected to participate in the All-Star game, but it was announced last week that he is also selected to participate in the Skills Challenge. So uh, the All-Star game is like has some voting and some coaching selection. I think this one is essentially just like, who's most exciting to, to do this? Because there's players in it that are not part of the All-Star team, including Hector Herrera, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, and... Maybe one or two. I think the rest of them are actually on the all-star team. But um, it'll be really cool to see Drewsy participate in this event. I, I really liked watching this event last year. Yeah, we, we were just watching the little video uh, before before we went on. And it was, yeah, it's, it's like there's some interesting little little activities and stuff. So before we get into which of these competitions um, you, you think are like the ones that you're most looking forward to, you know, Every I love that everything has a sponsor. So you know, among ATT, five G, <laughs> Old Spice, Bounty, or Gillette Labs, which of those products are you most interested in using? Um, I actually currently use Old Spice, so I'll I'll go for that one. And that yeah. honestly might be my favorite, uh, my favorite challenge too. Oh, nice! The Touch Challenge, which is the one that yeah. kind of looks like a giant. I I feel like it looks like you're playing skee ball with your feet a little bit. Like, is that? Is yeah, that the one I was like thinking a, about? A giant ski ball board. It looks it looks maybe like a giant cornhole board, but there's multiple holes in it like there would be for ski ball. So uh, they, you have a teammate kick the ball over the mechanism, so you're seeing it blind, and you have to take a touch either off your chest or off your foot and then play it back up onto the board. And there's various points for the different uh, different holes that you hit it into. But I, I thought that one was a lot of fun last year. And I think Drusi should be pretty good at it, too. Yeah, that seems like a good one for him. And then, so is the cross and volley challenge. Is that... I guess the cross is coming in from... Do we know who that's a, coming a from? A player plays player. it. So okay. I think maybe you get to pick a player. Maybe they'll just do some practice that day and they'll get to pick which player they they get to send in their, their passes. But... Um, that one was a little bit disappointing just because players kept missing <laughs> like oh, really? the shots last year. Uh, but most of them were actually like, I, I really enjoyed watching this. Is there one of these that you think Juicy will be the best at? Well, I think you're right on touch is probably pretty good. I feel like that guy can just with his shooting ability, I feel like he can hit crossbars all day long. Like I feel like that's, I feel like that's one he's going to be good at too. He's just so skilled. Yeah. You feel like he would be pretty good at all of them, but then you would think most of these guys are going to be pretty good at all. Right, of them. right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good list for sure among the most talented. And it'd be just great to see like him and Charles Gill and Honey Mukhtar and just like doing awesome soccer things. You don't get to see a lot of in this and league then week in you, week you, out. 
It's also going to be they'll do these against the Mexican players that are there for the All Star game as well. So, kind of hearing some of the banter between guys. And last year it was um, uh, Ricardo Pepe, and all of the Mexican guys were like the whole the whole time. And then during the All Star game, there was always like kind of banter, and you'd see guys going over and trying to talk to him, and you could tell there's like this undercurrent of like. Hey Ricardo, come play for Mexico. Come play for Mexico. And like two weeks later, he ended up picking to play for the U.S., which that made it a lot more fun too. But just like they have them all mic'd up during during the skills challenge, you can hear them talking to each other. So that was all a lot of fun as well. So I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, more Austin FC news. Anthony Gonzalez was called into the U.S. U19 camp, so that makes him the fifth Austin FC player to. Uh, earn a U.S. Youth National Team call-up. The others are Owen Wolf and Brian Arellano at the U19 level, Micah Burton at the U17 level, and Irvin Torres at the U15 level. So Anthony is – I'm, I'm happy to see that he got this. He's a really exciting player. He's mostly plays left back in the games that I've seen, but uh, is like very attack-minded, has played left wing some or like a wing back position sometimes if they go to like a back three. But um, – really like really skillful, really fiery, just like gets in guys' faces and will go after dudes. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with the U19s, but um, he's, he's definitely one to watch for the future. So among these guys, and we, we could probably exclude Owen Wolf in this conversation, is there, who's your second, and maybe it's not even one in this group, but like who's your sort of your next guy up in terms of like who, who would make the senior roster and who might be like a full national do you have a favorite among this group or is there somebody else that we haven't seen yet? Um, so with Brian Ariano and Anthony Gonzalez, I might pick those two simply for the fact that they're the oldest ones. Uh, but I have pretty high hopes for, um, what is his name? Drake Fournier, who is, he would be the same age as Micah. So he'll still be U 17 eligible this coming year. Uh, but he he plays center back. He's still a little bit lanky, needs to grow into his body a bit, and therefore I don't think he'll be getting first team minutes anytime soon. And so if I had to pick one of these guys, I think I might pick Brian Ariano, but um, I, I, I finally got to watch Irvin Torres not long ago, the U15, and I've watched way less of the U15s, but he's he's really solid as well. He's like a more just kind of like a cerebral, like classy, intelligent central midfielder, just kind of like sees the game slower than everybody else on the team. So does like fewer flashy things than a lot of these other guys do, but just like can tell that he's just like one of the smartest guys on the field and just like has that touch, touch about him and like that, that bit of class that uh, separates him from the other guys on the field. Well, let's get into, okay. That's all the news. So are you ready to talk about this Red Bulls chaos? Oh, that man. Was, this, yeah. yeah. Okay. This was insane. So uh, Austin FC lost 4-3 to the New York Red Bulls at Q2 on Sunday night. At the end of the game, like, I, I was, like, pretty upset at the end of the first half and then a bit more upset not long into the second half. But then by the end of it, I was just like, I don't know. I like wasn't happy, but I wasn't upset anymore. It's like, well, at least it was fun by the end of <laughs> there it. There you go. At least everybody had a good time. <laughs> you know, was it so that was the end of the streak of what was it, seven unbeaten matches, I think? 
Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Five wins, two draws over the last seven. So, I mean, it had to come to an end sometime. I don't know that I was super excited it came to an end against a Red Bulls team that was playing on the road with... They almost had, like, the Mexican League, you know, numbers going on, right? They had, like, I think three people... Three three guys who were playing their first game, and they were, like, number 70-something, and then, like, number 58. And I mean, they weren't quite three-digit numbers, but they were almost there. Um, so, I don't know if I love the outcome because who we were playing against, but you know, I mean, they that that was very much like a a Red Bulls game. They they did, they did everything that you expected out of them. Yeah, Chris Chris Bills's headline for his uh, instant reaction article was "Fell for the trap," and that's exactly what happens. Like uh, J. Sam Jones, um, writer for MLSsoccer.com, and now uh, the Atlanta writer for the Striker, he posted that that meme of uh, what's that guy's name. James, oh, is it the the guy at the with a noose around his neck from the yeah. western? Yeah, I know. I know and he's just like kind of got a smirk and is looking over. And says, first time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should know this is going to happen because it happens every time." <laughs> but you've never played them before. But uh, James Franco is the guy's name. I don't know. There you I go. Think of that. Um, but yeah, it was like this is what they do every time. I don't know why we were surprised when it happened, and so. Yeah, I th- I think Wolf in the post game press conference said that training was really poor this week. Uh, in all of the interviews that came out for, with the players, Gabrielson essentially just said like it was a bad day at the office. Like I don't think you should read into it any more than that. Uh, Gallagher said in in a a an interview after the game that it's hopefully it's a wake up call. Like maybe we got a little bit complacent after not dropping after not losing for so long that we got a little bit too comfortable and hopefully this punch in the face is enough to wake us up and and we'll come back next week and start fighting again but it really was just like I don't know a very sloppy game and looking at the at the starting lineup whenever I saw that Felipe was starting instead of Danny Pereira I was just kind of like playing it out in my mind. It's like, okay, well, if we decide to play a bit more direct, because the Red Bulls want you to play through them. They want you to try to play through them so that they can take the ball away, get up the field as fast as possible and get a shot off. That is their game plan. And so they weren't pressing us high necessarily. They're set up in kind of a mid block, but it was still a very intense press. And once you got in between those lines, they collapse on you really quick, take the ball from you, and then get upfield and shoot as quickly as possible. That's the whole game plan, and that's what they did against us. And so against that, I could see maybe trying to play a bit more direct. If you can, kind of like what we did against Atlanta, if you can play over the top, get onto the wings, and then crash the box, in that scenario, I think you'd prefer to have Felipe crashing the box than Danny crashing the box. Uh, He's just a bit more that kind of player. But we didn't ever do that. And so we would play those long balls and overcook them or undercook them. It just like never hit the guy where he was running. So Diego had several hit to him and he couldn't ever really do anything with them because he couldn't get onto them. They were usually too long. And then the ones over to Owen Wolf seemed to never really be in an area where he was ever going to get to him. And then when he did get to a, to a ball, he didn't really do a lot with it. Um, and then eventually, as they kind of tired out and we started playing through the middle a bit more, 
we could do that, but like that's when you do want Danny in there. And when we finally started being able to do it, he wasn't there. And so I don't know. The whole the whole game plan just looked a little bit off. And I think Wolf said as much. Like I I deserve some of the blame for not getting him as um as prepared as they should have been. But I don't know. It it was the whole thing was off from the very beginning. Yeah, one of the things that I've common threads that I read online afterwards was like it was maybe the first time the year this year that Josh Wolf had sort of outthought himself in terms of yeah. game plan. And it seemed like that was the case. So that was probably the second biggest bit of lineup news. But I think the most surprising bit of lineup news was Andrew Tarbell in goal, which nobody saw coming until I think I think that Brad Stuber's tweet about having COVID came out about the same time the lineup came out. It's like it totally made sense. But uh, I don't think anybody saw that one coming either. Yeah, and that one ended up... We paid for that one too, (laughs) which we'll get into as we we go through the events of the game. But um, the first goal comes in the 15th minute. Well, the third goal, but the first goal that counts. Right, yeah. The first one that stood was in the 15th minute, but there was two before then that were called back for being offside. They were both correctly called back for being offside. Um, the first one, I think, was a little bit of bad luck. That This was off of a a long throw, I think. Yeah, it was a long throw. It gets cleared out of the box, and the back line does well to step uh, step high and try to like shorten the field for the Red Bulls. They just kind of like pinball one through. Like A guy takes a shot, and it bounces off a guy's foot and falls to Omir Fernandez, who... Um, shoots it from really close to Tarbell. I don't think Tarbell could have done anything about this one, but ended up being a half step offside whenever the ball was played. And so I think that one was a little bit of bad luck. The second one that got called back, um, I think somebody takes a really, I think it was Patrick Klamala, takes a shot. Um, Tarbell stops it, but spills it. And Caden Clark rushes on and taps it on out from in between his hands to score. Luckily there, he was half a step offside as well. But Tarbell really should be, should be saving that one. Um, we'll, we'll get it. Maybe we should. Yeah. I'll, I'll save this question until okay. later. Oh, good. Let's, okay. Let's, con- let's continue going through uh, the goals here. So we're down two nil after 26 minutes. The first one, definitely Tarbell's fault. As far as, the ball going in, he was put into a difficult position by having to to face the shot at all. Uh, but we lose the ball; they break on us. He ends up taking a shot from this one is Sergio Goma, one of their young guys, but hits Tarbell right in the hands. And it's normal whenever you you take a that hard of a shot from that kind of distance, it's not uncommon to kind of like deflect it straight down. And just like catch it off the bounce because it's a little bit risky to try to catch it whenever it's coming that hard. And it was kind of knuckling a little bit. It's not uncommon to just kind of punch it down and then catch it again. He tries to do that and it just goes in between his legs and into the goal. And just right into the goal. I know. And that's still, um, why does that not count as an own goal? It's because he didn't redirect it. And so own goals are given if the ball was like off target and then redirected back on target. But because the ball was on target the whole time and he just failed to prevent it from going in, then the shooter still gets the goal in that 
gotcha. scenario. Gotcha. Well, good for him. <laughs> um, second goal. This one again is uh, Tarville does make a save on this one, pushes it clear. So he does a decent job on this one. It falls to Nick Lima. He plays it upfield uh, to Felipe, which not a not a bad idea. It's a soft pass, but Felipe is running towards him. Felipe apparently did not check his shoulder, didn't see anybody coming when someone was definitely coming. And Drew Yearwood just runs past him, picks his pocket, is one-on-one with Julio Cascante. Cascante turns him and forces him to turn inside. And then Alex Ring is coming but doesn't get there in time, and Yearwood just rips it. And I, I could never see a good enough angle to know what kind of look Tarbell had on it, but it didn't seem like a crazy angle. Tarbell doesn't even like he react didn't move to it at all, really. right? Yeah. He just watches it go past, and it makes me think that Yearwood gets the shot off so quickly that he just he was blind to it and didn't really see the shot coming. And Yearwood hits it hard, but um, yeah, it, I think that's the only only like explanation I can think of to as to why he didn't really react to it. Yeah, I think. It is definitely worth noting that like the number of different players, like you just called out like half the lineup, right? Yeah. In terms of like who, in terms of who failed, there were like five guys that were involved in that, and everybody's gonna, everybody's going to remember Tarbell because he had a obviously awful match, but like it was and a if, it was a team effort. A if team you failure. go back before then, I'm pretty sure this is the same play, but we're trying to play it out of the back. Um, we find Diego Fagundes at like the halfway line which is where he was receiving the ball most of the time, which is not really where you want Diego receiving the ball. But he plays a bad back pass that ends up turning the ball over that leads to the shot that Tarbell saves and falls to Lima. So if you want to go back even farther in the sequence, there's even more errors that led us to that point. <laughs> so that was probably... Uh, this. I was going to say this before somebody tweeted at us about, uh, about it, but up through that point, that was prob- might have been the worst half of soccer i've seen austin fc play at home i mean i still go back to that one in the still go back to the fc dallas um like 15 minutes last year but they were just slow sloppy had no solutions for what red bulls was doing you know and then luckily right before the break sebastian driussi gives a little bit of hope to austin yeah so this one comes from a this is a corner kick wasn't it yeah i believe it was a corner kick and it gets uh, cleared up into the air. Juicy's waiting at the top of the box. As the ball comes down, he just pulls it right out of the air, doesn't bounce, uh, hits it really well. And I think he he strikes it super well, like r- hits it really clean. It curls just right into the far, uh, just inside the far post on the ground. But I think it's it's a little bit fortunate that it finds its way through so many legs and the keeper is just like, doesn't see it because by the time he sees it, it's past him. And so I think like a little bit of good luck, but you still have to marvel at the way that Drewsy strikes that ball out of the air. Yeah, right right out of the air, doesn't he? It never hits the ground. It doesn't it, bounce, no. Yeah, that was, that was such a, such a uh, w- welcome sign for everybody, everybody that was there. Like that was, I mean, the stadium was kind of dead. I mean, one, it was 100 and something degrees, so it was pretty easy to take the energy out of the stadium, but... Up until that point, and I think um, there was a Felipe had a pretty good chance right before then that uh, he didn't convert, and I think people were hoping that that was sort of like bring it back to life, and um, it was pretty low there. Logan, avocado, Logan, 
sent sent me some notes from that one, and he talked about how it was like the first time he thinks he's ever heard the supporter section, including the murder, go silent during a game. Like it was the closest thing it's ever been to like people not having hope. But luckily, Drewsy kind of bailed us out, and we we headed to the half with some amount of hope. Yeah, I noticed that on the broadcast, um, watching it back, that the second goal, the stadium got really quiet, which it was the fourth time that the ball had hit the back of the net by that point. And so I could see how they might be a little bit deflated at that point. Do you want to take a break before we go to the second half? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So uh, we're going to finish talking about the second half of this game, and then we'll come back and do that. And then the Sporting Kansas City preview. Hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is once again brought to you by the Austin Daily Drop. Austin Daily Drop is a gathering of local news stories that uh, local broadcast veteran Chris Mosier finds interesting and impactful. Austin Daily Drop covers everything from city government to local business to sports to live music to dining and everything else that's in between. So this morning, he talked about monkeypox, which is notable, interesting, important, and slightly terrifying. I don't know. Like, have you have you been following this sort of story at all? It's one of these things I've been trying to like pretend isn't going to happen, but apparently it's here. Yeah, I was uh, looking up what vaccination avail- availability looks like right now. Yes. And if you would listen to Austin Daily Drop today, you would know basically you have to have had like a known exposure to monkeypox to get a vaccination because vaccine supplies are relatively limited at this point in time. It's almost like we've learned no lessons at all. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yes. Anyway, if you want to keep up to uh, the not so happy news, but also some good news every once in a while, you can listen to Austin Daily Drop, which gets posted Monday through Fridays, usually by 8 a.m., if not by then a little after. It's usually 8 to 10 minutes long, so very short, the, about the length of a commute, a shower, a dog walk, something like that. But give Chris 10 minutes and he'll give you Austin. We're doing another ticket giveaway thanks to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group for the next home match. To enter, go to MoontowerSoccer.com, then click on Free Ticket Giveaway in the top navigation bar, or click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group, so if you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. And we will say we're working on something cool for the Sage Wilson Property Group people. Yes. Details to come. Cool things with details to come. And y'all will be excited about it and enjoy it. Stay tuned. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. So Sebastian Drewsy scores the goal to make it 2-1. Sound comes back to Q2. People are excited. The supporter section's rocking. We're all ready for the second half. You know, we're one goal behind. There's no way this thing can keep going south. And then it went south again. So let's talk through the third, I guess the third, fourth, or fifth and sixth goals for Red Bulls uh, on the night that came in pretty short order after we get hit, hit the half. Yeah, so the third one I think was the most frustrating goal to me just because it comes from the way most of the other ones did is we turned it over trying to play it out of the back 
Um, Drew Yearwood picks it off in the midfield and just starts sprinting at goal and is unimpeded until he reaches like just outside of the the 18 yard box. And so that's why it was so frustrating because all of the our backline, including Alex Ring, all just kind of like jogged back towards their goal and they were marking the other guys, but like nobody was even close to or put any pressure on Yearwood, who is carrying the ball up. And he plays it to uh Cameron Harper. And all he has to do is take on, I think it was it Cascante that he takes a touch around. I anyway, thought, it's I, I a remember scr- first, yeah, because they both a scrambling yeah. defender. Yeah, like, they, they both of them are gonna have neither of them had their best match. Like I, that's this the I don't know if it was this goal or the next goal, but like Gabrielson was kind of lost too at, at one point in the box. Yeah, but it was essentially a lack of urgency in transition, which what a team to decide to do that against, right? Like a team who thrives in these transition moments and you're just going to, you can't take a playoff. Like you don't get to against this team. And they decided to take a playoff after they've, the balls hit the back of the net four times and you're going to take a, a playoff. Okay. That's sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, so that one, that's at, what, 51? That makes it 3-1. Uh, then then it will get to 4-1 on this Tom Barlow goal with an assist from Cameron. Cam and Caden Clark had a pretty active game from a guy we haven't seen much out of. Like, he had the one goal that was called back, and he had this assist, too. Like, he was all over the place. Yeah, I mean, he was never he was never not good. He, he had that transfer to was he going to go to Salzburg one of the other Red Bull teams one of the other Red Bulls yep and he ended up getting injured and they just kind of like called it off essentially and just like loaned him back to New York Red Bulls so he could do his rehab there he's finally working his way back into the team here and so um he's maybe working on fitness but he's still like he's if anything just older and more experienced now and more physically developed uh, because how old is he now? What Clark? He's eighteen. Yeah, I was thinking nineteen, but yeah, he's he's I, older. He's mature. I think he was seventeen years old last time. He was like one of the better players in the league at that point. So um, I don't think we should be surprised that he his fingerprints were all over this one. But we just haven't seen him in a while. Um, after that, like I think there were stretches. Is that kind of the turning point of when? Austin actually finally get it, started getting some like sustained possession and, and attacking movement. It was finally there. It seemed like they had finally run themselves out a little bit. There was some substitution we should probably talk about. So Danny finally gets in at 55, which is when it was 3-1. Um, and then Ethan Finley, I think, came... What? So it was John, Ethan, and Danny all in the same substitution? I think That's right. 55-56. Yeah. So, yeah, so they brought Felipe off. They brought... Um, Nick Lima, Lima off. came off. Uh, John Gallagher went to the right, went to right back, and Cole Minich was at left back, and then put in Finley on for Wolf, which I think Wolf didn't had not had a very good game. He was not set up to succeed really, but whenever he did get the ball, he usually gave it away. Uh, Felipe Martins had made offensive and defensive mistakes, almost got a red card like three minutes into the game, um, so he was quite poor. Uh, and then I thought the guys that came on, Pereira did 
a decent job better than what we were we were doing and like to Felipe and Ring and Wolf like Josh Wolf's credit it was against a bit more of a tired press but he was still doing a much better job against it than what we were seeing earlier in the game yeah, he was dribbling through the press, right? And that's like, so this, you know, there's this quote from Josh Wolf after the game that said, the middle of the field's congested, it's tight. There's not a lot of dribbling in those situations. Like, what do you think about that? I mean, when he came on, that's what he did. But it could, like like what you just said, I mean, it could be because he was came on at, against a team that was tiring. Yeah, to give him the benefit of the doubt, I think that still would have been true early on. I think Danny would have had a really hard time doing that in the first 15 or 20 minutes. But if you finally start to find those cracks, like it would have been useful to have Danny in there to do it in the 25th or 30th minute as opposed to the 65th minute. Um, so I think it's still like like he outsmarted himself a little bit. But I think there that would have been true for a certain part of the game, but not all of the game. Yeah, or even at the 46th minute. I mean, bring him on at the yeah. half. You know, there was no Felipe did not have it on the night and it's 2-1. Um, like that's would have been a, a chance to maybe start this comeback a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we start getting a bit more of the ball and then at, at one point it just looks like Sebastian Juicy was just like, I, this is my game now. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to fix yeah. this by myself. And so he gets the ball from wide, which is like, we're kind of slowly building it up. He receives it around the middle of the middle of the pitch and then just starts driving forward and one player steps to him and he kind of like feigns like he's either going to shoot or cross and the guy jumps and he just like kind of ducks past that guy and then takes on another guy and sets him up going one way and sets up the keeper kind of sliding to the keeper's left and then just smashes a ball uh, back across goal to the to the left post there and hits a beauty of a goal. Yeah, it was such it was such a good shot. And the keeper did not have, and because he's coming in from a long ways, you know, so he tried to react, but he just like couldn't get to the ball because he just hit the ball so hard. And the way, like, so Juicy gets past that first defender, and then he like takes a touch back to his right, and so the keeper is actually sliding the other direction whenever Juicy hits it because he hits it back across goal, and so because of that touch he had taken. He has the defense shifting that way and also the keeper shifting that way. And so I, I think, I don't know how and like how like Domino's falling intentional all of this was, but it did help to to get the keeper out of position. Yes, yeah, so that makes it 2-4. And I feel like the 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 whole, the Q2 kind of came back to life. Um, started to get loud. It was, uh, what was that goal during? I believe that our beer and water throwing song was going on while the, when that goal was scored, which I, I love because I don't think it's happened a lot. <laughs> um, but it was fun to be down there. My, my son again decided it was too hot to go to the game. So I ended up spending most of the game in the supporter section, which was a nice change of pace. Uh, and so later on in the game, we finally get to see um, at the same time. So GTA comes on for a routine and then Washington Caruso comes on for Ruben Gabriel said, <laughs> I just like, I saw this and was like, wait, what? He's coming in for who? Um, once I thought about it, I was like, okay, I, I think I know what's going to happen here. And so Alex Ring shifts back to center back, which I think we saw this in a game earlier this year 
where essentially like when we're defending, like in our defensive shape, ring will slide back to center back. But when we're attacking, he'll essentially just like push up and be an extra midfielder. And then Cascante and one of the fullbacks will just kind of like stay back and be the deep cover. And so that's what we were doing. But um, I thought Washington Caruso had a pretty good showing for his first minutes. Yeah, he did. And so three minutes in, he had a, one heck of an assist, which I think... Oh, Drew, picked up the hockey assist on this one too, right? But he had the bicycle kick assist. Do you think that was a cross or do you think that was a shot? I guess that's the it, big question. It was a shot. I know it was a shot. I think he was shooting, but I don't think he necessarily deserves less credit for it because... So Drusi sets it up. He he gets the ball deep uh, and puts in a really nice cross, like towards the. It went to the far side, and so we we see this a lot with set pieces. Austin will try to play it kind of away from goal, off the backside, and then try to like head it back across goal. And so this one is a little bit overcooked for him. And so Caruso probably could have jumped up and headed it or let it run past him and kind of run back and kind of reset up to put in a cross. But instead he sets up for the bike and gets like, turns over, gets contact, but doesn't put it on goal, but instead bounces right across, uh, like across the six yard box. And Ethan Finley is set up right there and does a really good job to get a foot on it. Cause it was not an easy one to keep down. It, it was bouncing pretty high and pretty quickly. And so he did a really good job to get over the top of it and keep that one under the crossbar. Yeah, and that was good. So that made it 3-4. Uh, and there was some amount of excitement, you know, potential for uh, for maybe Austin to come back. So after that, we got... Well, we get we got a, we, we ended up getting a few more shots on goal. I guess what I want to talk about, I thought Musa Jite had a really good game. Like, I thought... if I felt like this was a game where if anybody, if anybody was going to score that goal and nod it up, it was going to be him. Just because... He did all the things like he occupied a lot of space. He was pulling balls down, you know. He dribbled. He dribbled some. Like he looked strong and he looked threatening in attack. And that was good to see from him after not seeing a lot of him lately in favor of Tanny Houston. Yeah, and I think like this is the moment when Jite has looked good. Is when we're chasing a game and we're just throwing everything at the goal. Um, I think this is like maybe part of the reason why we still haven't seen him not in this situation is that whenever we have put him in like a bit more of a balanced game where he needs to play a bit more of a balanced role, um, he's struggled in those moments. And so, but I think in this moment where we're chasing a game, throwing every, everything, including the kitchen sink at the game and trying to get a goal back, um, GTA has mostly been pretty effective in those moments. He didn't get the goal, but uh, caused some real problems for the Red Bulls. Yeah, everything, including like Andrew Tarbell coming up on corners, which is, we, we saw at the end of the game. And then I was just looking at this in terms of X goal, like GTA's chance at 90 plus five, which was our last real shot of the game, was like our best X goal opportunity um, after we made it 4-3. Uh, so, you know, we were we were there and just did not pull it off. And what a, what a what a... I think we've given up on the Q2 Stadium as a fortress talk. You know, that was a, that was a thing a couple months ago. But now if we seem to be a better team on the road than we are at home. So I don't think people think that anymore. But that's kind of come back that if that had come to pass, like that, that's the kind of thing that makes it a little more real. So it was disappointing to see. But overall, it was entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can fairly say 
that Q2 is a fortress. And even when that was being said, I felt like it was maybe a little premature <laughs> that like the narrative was being forced a little bit. But I think what you can say is that you can never count Austin FC out of a match that they've shown time and time again, that if they're, even if they don't come back to, to steal points, that they're going to make the other team sweat while they're trying to do it. And they've done that time and time again, couldn't quite pull it off this time. Maybe it, dug themselves a little too deep of a hole to do it, but they still made the Red Bulls really worried by the end of this game. And I think that's one of the big differences between this year and last year is like going down, especially down 4-1, like nobody would have had any hope. And like they were, but it never felt like the game was completely um, out of doubt. Um, so let's talk about some stats because they were, they were kind of absurd. I think the two most absurd ones are Austin had 78 this 78% possession. I don't think I've ever seen that much possession. And then the accurate passes. Also had 437 accurate passes to 80 for Red Bulls, which I've also <laughs> never seen. So it was a little it was a little bit of horseshoe of sadness action, but that kind of shows the differences in the styles of play and how they just come down to execution. Like I've never seen passing numbers that were that lopsided. Yeah, and again, like this is what the Red Bulls do. It's like they don't want to complete passes. They don't want the ball. They just want the ball to be in their attacking end and for the ball to end up on one of their feet eventually somehow. They don't care if you played it to them, if they played it to them. They want the ball on their feet and shooting. And they did it. Like they did it very effectively and this is their game and it it's kind of ugly to watch, but you have to commend them for for Everybody knowing exactly what they're going to do and just not being able to do anything about it. And they, and they do it anyhow. That's very true. Uh, so Sebastian Drusi ends up on the MLS team of the week. This is his eighth time of the season. He With two goals, he's now also tied for Tati Castellanos in the golden boot race. Uh, Tati Castellanos is no longer an MLS player for the time being. So um, it doesn't take everybody out of that race because there's still quite a few guys right behind him. Yeah, Honey, Mo- right Honey Mukhtar is like one goal behind him, I think. So it's still a competition. But yeah, the Cassiano deal. So he went to, um, was it Hirona today? Or Girona? I don't know. It is. So I, I actually know this one. It is Girona because it's in Catalonia. And in the Catalan language, G's are pronounced with like the soft G. Well, I've learned something today, <laughs> but it's they're also a, a city football club franchise too, isn't that right? That's right. So this is kind of like a weird. It's one of these like yeah, loaning deal. Team. Yeah, exactly. That's that's really all I wanted to comment on that one. But yeah, he's got and so he's leader in the Golden Boot, and then um, I think he's in really good shape to like lead the league in total goal contributions if you I think he's leading it alone right now which he has um I think 20 combined goals and assists right now so um yeah looking really good if he keeps doing this it'll be hard not to consider him for MVP Austin I think will need to perform well for the rest of the season in order to make that possible for him but um he showed in this game that if nothing else, sometimes he can just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say like, yeah, no, we're not going to play bad anymore. I'm not going to let us. Well, it's funny because just last week we were talking about how like no one guy is responsible for for like the, the success of the club or whatever. And apparently if he wants to be that guy, he can. 
Um, is there any other players that you want to talk about? Like, I know you mentioned Gabrielson sort of owning it. I wanted to actually use this quote because Eric Goodman asked him about having a bad game. And, <laughs> yeah. And I think it was, I think it, for me, like it was probably Ruben Gabrielson's worst game. And so he told Eric, he said, like, he said, it's like sometimes you write a shit article, right? It's the same in football. Like that's <laughs> basically, basically what he admitted to doing. And I feel like he, he did have that, but like it makes you love the guy even more, right? That he, he didn't make excuses. He didn't blame it on anything else. He like very much owned up that that was not their best performance. Yeah, I really liked that out of the players and out of Wolf. Um, even though, like, I don't think we agreed with everything Wolf said in the post game press conference, but he was very quick to own it. And I think it's easier to not be defensive whenever your team is clearly very good. <laughs> That's true. Yes. And so he's in a situation where he can say like, yeah, we had a bad day. It's fine. We'll, we're going to learn from it and move on. If you say that 17 weeks in a row, then it's like it loses its effectiveness. But uh, I think, I think the fans who, who saw that those quotes from him or saw the interview were, were appreciative of, of both Wolf and the players. Yeah. And that, so that, but that's something we don't need to lose sight of is that Austin's in second. Austin's, Seven points up on third. Um, Austin's uh, what plus seventeen in goal differential, second best in the West. I mean, that's they've been on such a good run and been stacking up points lately. You can have a bad night and lose at home to a team from the Eastern Conference, and ultimately, it doesn't really hurt the club at all. With especially when you look at what's coming up, like as long as they, as long as we take it one game at a time, which is another thing we've heard a lot out of them, you know. There's no reason that we can't pick up another six points in the next two weeks and and turn this all around. And this is just a blip on the road. Yeah, I as far as like making the playoffs, I don't think we're in danger at all. Like it would take a pretty catastrophic downturn for us to miss the playoffs at this point. But getting top four and getting a home playoff match is a big deal and like a, a huge advantage when it comes to your chances in the playoffs. And so. I think that is a real thing that they need to stay driven and stay focused on is, yeah, we can afford to lose one or two that we shouldn't, but we can't keep doing this because even though we do have that seven point cushion from third below there, those teams are pretty, pretty tightly packed. And so it's just a few bad results end up shaking things up pretty dramatically. And so even though we're not going to fall out of, the top seven, I don't think we could very easily follow the top four if we have a little skid of uh, of poor form. Yeah, and third to ninth right now is only five points. Minnesota's on 34 and third, and Seattle and Portland are both right now outside of the playoff picture and on 30 and 29. So it's pretty, it is pretty tight if you, if they start to fall back. But that's why you don't, you know, that's why you don't like uh, take a, take a night off against Atlanta, you know? That's right. And, and like concede those points because like, Three points is three points, no matter who it's against or when you acquire it. That's right. Those bonus points spin just the same. <laughs> That's right. All right. Anything else on the Red Bulls game before we move on to previewing Kansas City? No, let's talk about Kansas City a little bit. All right. Well, we we probably don't need to do history lesson on them, do we? We've played them enough uh, times, we, huh? We played them enough. We played them, I think, did we play them three times last year? I feel like we saw a lot of Kansas City last year. At least twice. I don't remember if they were one of the three times or not. So yeah, last year they ended up finishing third in the West, beat Vancouver in the first round of the playoffs, lost to RSL in the second round, 
I think about the in Austin terms, like we, I think we maybe talked about this last week, but you know the most interesting Kansas City perform sporting KC performance was like in November, in early November, second last game of the year when we saw the debut of John Gallagher fullback, which I don't think anybody was expecting to see, and he ended up uh, ended up doing okay. Yeah, definitely. So then this year, almost everybody thought they were going to be a playoff team. Um, when I went back and read the preview from MLSsoccer.com. And they've been a huge disappointment so far. So they have the worst goal differential in the league. Last place in the West. I think there's one team in the East that has fewer points. Uh, 28th in gold scored. Haven't scored two matches. Haven't kept a clean sheet in six matches. This is one of those things that like everything should line up to be a successful outcome for Austin. Even yeah, on they've, the road. they've had some some bad injuries. So Alan Pulido... Um, were, they were hoping to have him back this season. He ends up uh, get, having a season-ending injury, and so they haven't had him all year. Gadi Kinda is a, a really important midfielder that they've been without all season, and then they had some transfers out either during the year last year that they've had a hard time properly filling this year, and so their front three is uh, Daniel Shallowy, on the left, Johnny Russell on the right. And those guys will swap around as well. So it's pretty, pretty fluid front line. And then uh, Kyrie Shelton, who's an Austin kid actually has been playing striker. Kyrie Shelton is, he's a good like team player, but he's not a guy that's, um, that's necessarily going to be like super goal dangerous on his own. He's more of like a facilitator, a good team player kind of guy. Uh, And so I think that's part of the reason why they've struggled to, do a lot. But aside from that, they lost Ilya Sanchez who went to LAFC and it's just been amazing this year. And so trying to play without him, uh, Graham Zuzi is maybe just a little bit past it at this point and isn't able to play every single game. They've had injuries on the back line. And so they've really been in kind of a rough, a rough way. They did bring in a new midfielder that I watched play over this last weekend named Eric Tommy. And this guy looks really good. I think that's somebody that Austin's going to need to be very aware of. He uh, progresses the ball through midfield really well, either with just like really good passes. And he's also like a, a pretty good athlete and carries the ball really well. And so he'll just take a touch and just run past somebody in the midfield. And so, um, like you said, I think Austin is set up to do well in this game, but that stadium is a tough place to go and play. I haven't looked at the weather, but I know it's been super hot and humid there recently as well. So not necessarily any easier than playing in Austin. And then uh, with a team that maybe with with Eric Tommy and some other new signings they have, maybe have a little bit of boost of energy. I think one thing that is in Austin's favor is they're playing U.S. Open Cup in Sacramento on Wednesday night. So they're going to have short rest coming back to Kansas city for this one. Yeah. And they, and there are, I mean, they're one win, one draw, three losses in their last five. So um, the other thing that was interesting, I, I haven't watched them play a lot at all, hardly, but I was just going back through like the fought mob summaries of every game. Like Johnny Russell leads it, leads him with six goals, but he's not <clears> been <throat> very good lately either. Like this last two or three games have been really poor. So maybe that means he's, I don't know. Maybe that means he's due for a for a good performance. But yeah, <laughs> we'll I mean see. him, him and Shallowy, like they're both on Same their day, are yeah, phenomenal. They're really, really good players in this league, and so 
just because they haven't been in good form, I don't think that means you can sleep on them. Like these guys are deadly if you give them a chance. So uh, yeah, so I think so. I think our summary so far is like yeah, sure. If you look at all the math, it seems like it should just be an, it should be like an Austin victory that maybe is easy. But there are lots of factors that lead one to think that it will not be that way because there's still it was still third last year overall. I mean, they've still got good players. They still have potential. So I wouldn't sleep on Sporting KC in this match at all. Yeah, so that one is going to be on Saturday, July 30th, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Um, yeah, hopefully we can turn it around this this weekend. <laughs> so are you going to be out of town? Will you be out of town for this one? I am. I am hopefully going to be uh, in Oklahoma on a little like lake trip with Ashley's family. And then when do you when are you supposed to come back from Oklahoma? On Sunday. Okay. So I was just thinking because I'm going to go to Florida next week that we might be doing another like double remote show. But I guess you'll you'll be <laughs> so next week you'll be in Austin. You'll be back in Austin. I'll be from in Destin, Florida, with your mic balanced with, on a on a ice what, tray or something. Yeah, like ice, ice bucket, bucket or, or yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> I can find. But it it will be there for sure, and we could we could talk about this matchup. All right. Anything else we need to cover before we wrap up? No, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All right. We'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter. I'm at LVAHero87. Jeremiah is at jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. Sign up for the Patreon. Uh, we're... We need. I think we're about due for listener questions, aren't we, Jeremiah? We should post another thing, but... Yes, we will do that. Um... For our captain level members, be looking for that post and send in some questions, and we'll be doing our monthly questions sometime soon now that we have a little bit more time. And then check out the Striker Texas where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22. That's MOONTOWER, the capital M, 22. And then, Jeremiah, what should folks be looking for at the Striker this week? I think that hopefully we will be looking for the most extensive coverage of the Rigoni signing this week. Uh, like Chris and Phil have done a good job in staying on top of all the, the transactions and moves. So I would look forward to that. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer where we will review the Sporting Kansas City match and then we'll preview the San Jose match and cover any other Austin FC news, hopefully a new signing. And we'll also have an interview with Austin FC broadcaster Adrian Healy. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.